Oh, hello, you dirty birdies. This is episode 60 of the Middle Aged Outlaws podcast, the podcast, Adam, where every month is Halloween or every episode. Y- yeah. Mm. Um, is that a new catchphrase? Hello, you dirty birdies. Uh, well, that and the, the podcast where every episode is Halloween. Only when we're doing episodes in, that have Halloween havoc in them. Fair, yeah. Okay. But for a while, the only podcast where every month is Halloween. Welcome. Episode yeah. 60, Adam. How's it going? Yeah, I feel I feel about 60. Um, well, yeah, can relate yeah it's going all right. I shouldn't complain. Lots on the go just now, but okay. Yeah, you? Fantastic, thanks. Yes. I've been trying out a new voice recently. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, absolutely. You, you've definitely never heard it up until now, correct? Okay, okay. Sting. Sting. How are you today? What do you think? I think it's fantastic. Especially, like, what I wonder about, is it going to wear off, you know, if I hear it again? Let's ask again. my wife. <laughs> Anywho. Episode 60, we're talking Halloween Havoc 1990. Which was a delight. A surprising delight. Yeah. Uh, fun is a perfect way to describe it. Yeah. Um, but before that, we've got the sm- a small matter of a certain 1990 uh, Stephen King film to discuss. I thought you were good, Paul. But you're not good. You're just another lying old dirty birdie. And I don't think I'd better be around you for a while. Yes, indeed. Misery, the um, the Rob Reiner directed. This is this this goes beyond cult classic. This is just a classic movie. Oh, yeah, is it brilliant. Not? Yeah, I hadn't seen this for such a long time. Um, this is like one of those films that I, I'll have watched when I was too young, originally, to be watching films like this. Yeah, and yeah. it's one of those perks of having a brother that's like six or seven years older that you watch a lot of things they watch that you definitely shouldn't be watching but yeah um yeah what did you think oh do you know there was at points where i was thinking this is a perfect film like there's parts of this where this is like a perfect film Mm -hmm. um not that not in the way of this is godfather part two justin sort of like it's all contained within its own its own story there's mm-hmm. just these two characters really apart from the two little b characters which i really okay. really like the sheriff and his wife slash mm-hmm. deputy yeah it's just this little contained film within this really small area i absolutely loved it that was amazing nice. nice and this was your first time seeing it yeah excellent yeah first time and obviously i, I guess most people will know bits and pieces uh-huh. um know the whole the sledgehammer and, and all that sort of stuff but if you've never seen it just take some it's only it's a pretty short film relatively we're talking 90 minutes or so yeah um it's so so good um so do you want i'll, I'll talk i'll just got something that i want to tell you about the actors that's in uh-huh. it and then maybe you could talk us through the plot yep um, so we've got Kathy Bates who plays Annie Wilkes um, and she, her performance would win her the Best Actress Oscar 
for for that year. Yep. Um, and we've got James Khan who plays Paul Sheldon, a famous writer, who she is his number one fan of. Yeah. Um, you should see the list of people that turned down Paul Sheldon. Really? Oh. Um, before it got to to James Khan, William Hurt, Kelvin, Kel- Kevin Klein, Michael Douglas, Harrison Ford. Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Gene Hackman, Robert Redford, and Richard Dreyfuss. Wow, that's a proper A-list list, and a whole lot of regret there. I would have thought you would think you would think, and, and some of the some of the guy you could see Michael Douglas playing that role. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could see Eric Bischoff playing. In, in... <laughs> no, I, I think um, I think I think I'd said to you, Kathy Bates' performances. Is amazing and mm-hmm. it's um so it's not over the top it's not hammy by any means but it's she's up and down and she shows all the different characteristics james can i think is probably overshadowed by her but i was really really impressed by his acting in this film i thought yep. it was tremendous yeah very understated very. yeah um he does a good grunt yes so yeah, yeah. just I, I wanted to tell you that about about Paul okay. Sheldon, but maybe you can talk us through the plot a little bit. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so it's a it's a story of a published, acclaimed, successful writer, Paul Sheldon, who um, is pretty frustrated. He's kind of trapped within his own uh, work in that all people now want are uh, basically sequels to the stories he's created now, and he really wants to move away from that um he we see him he, he goes to this cabin um this little is it a hotel is it a hotel it's it is a, a hotel type, type yeah deal, yep uh to do his writing and uh we're seeing him with book uh getting in the car uh to, to make a journey back and uh he is gonna have a crash you can see the weather getting worse and worse as he's going on his drive he crashes um basically kind of left for dead effectively by the crash mm. but uh kathy bates is uh annie it's annie wilkes isn't it yeah yeah she um finds him rescues him from the car and takes him back to uh, her house to help him recover um all in theory. Uh, she is a nurse and you know I, I'm trying to think because it's so difficult to think what this would have been like if you didn't know anything about it. Are you thinking as this is going oh what a nice lady this is all fine um, and she tells him she is his number one fan. She talks to him about the fact the phone lines are down, the roads are closed, she can't get him out of there but as soon as she can she'll get him to a hospital she'll call his family, all that Um now, there's a few times, a few instances where her her uh, her sort of nice woman number one fan uh, mask starts to slip a little yeah, bit. Absolutely. Um, she gets incredibly angry uh, at little things. Um, so she's borrowed a, a copy or taken a copy of his new book to read it. Um, he has killed off in this new book the character that she most loves from these how, stories. How could you kill Misery Chastain? And uh, even in the build-up to that, I think she she snaps at a point where there's a lot of swearing in the script That's and things right. like that, yeah. So you see it starting to go. He, as I mentioned, he's had enough of this story and this character. This is him trying to end it so that he can move on. She is not having it. And um, 
it's initially just a bit of verbal, uh, and he slowly but surely starts to realise he's in a bit of trouble here. She is maybe not that stable. Um, we get her getting to the point in the book where she's killed off the character and she is furious and um, starts to get a little bit physical uh, in her abuse of him and is insistent on him writing a new story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I lost a little bit in terms of I couldn't work out because nobody has seen this other book apart from her where the character's killed off. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't sure if this new book was intended just to be for her and uh, the nobody's going to see the previous one anyway, so I couldn't figure out why this... But anyway, um, he needed to resurrect the character for her and give it the sort of continuation of story that she wants. The next part of the story is basically about him trying to figure out how to get out of the situation, trapped by this mad woman in her house. Um, the sort of B story you talk about is this uh, policeman who has been contacted. He knows the roads were bad. He's been contacted by the publisher, I think. He goes out eventually, but it takes a while, finds the car, um, and he's not in it. He figures out he's been taken, whereas I think the rest of the law enforcement were happy right off his eyes, crashed, he's crawled out, he's died. You know, whatever. We'll find a body at some point when all the weather thaws out. Um, so he comes up with a few different plans that are kind of foiled. He he stops taking the pills she's given him for pain. He tries to drug her um, and uh, oh, she spills the wine. That's a great uh, scene. Yeah, that is a that. brilliant scene because the look on his face at the point she's spilled it and she's all apologetic and all that and the look on his face is like oh. the lens that is went to, to get to the point yes. of execution is plan and then she knocks it over and mm-hmm. oh, it's just an accident that's all yeah. it is and it's all hope is dashed in his face yep um he She's got him a wheelchair. Uh, he is managing to get out using a hair clip from his room that he's locked in. So when she goes out, he can get out of his room. The phone isn't even a real phone. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. He, she's locked all the doors so he can't get out. But he does things like he gets a knife and puts it under his bed and all that. Um, she discovers he's been out. That is where we lead to the sledgehammer scene, um, which I think you're right, even if people haven't seen the film. People kind of know this. Basically, yeah. what did they call it? Hobbling someone. Hobbling, uh, yes. Yeah, a plank of wood put between the legs. And she has a sledgehammer and she is going to smash the, the foot and ankle on each side. Um, do, do you know that the, the, the great sort of part of the filmmaking there is that you, you only see her hit one foot, but yeah. I bet if you thought back, you would swear you see her hit both feet. Absolutely. I was thinking that as I was watching it. I was thinking but they show this, it's really graphic. And then I thought, no, they've really clever filmmaking. They have given you everything you need to assume the rest. Um, Yeah. Um, He, uh, there's a point where he burns the book. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you would have had enough by then. Yes. He uh, also, he starts finding out things about her through various articles that he finds scattered around the house. Um, she talked about this husband that she lost and it's now so, seeming... So, sorry, just to cut in there. So I was thinking about, uh, by this point before he'd seen the scrapbook, mm-hmm. I, was, I felt quite, you kind of feel sorry for somebody that's taken a sledgehammer 
to somebody's legs and kept them prisoner and that. But there was a part of me sort of sympathised with her. And then you see this scrapbook and it's like she's been a baby killer and, and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, well, okay, cool. Like, you've you've made your bed. Yep. Hopefully you get it. Yeah. And I like the, the, the sort of, we, we come to a conclusion, basically, there's a whole lot going on apart from that, but we come to a conclusion yeah. where um, he has a, a routine when he finishes a book, and she knows about this routine, she's the number one fan, where he has a, a glass of wine, and a, is it a cigarette or a cigar? I can't remember. It's a cigarette. Yeah. Um, so he, while he's been out on one of his jaunts around the house, when she's been out, has got himself some lighter fluid. Um, and she, he knows she is going to give him a match. Um, so this is where he, when she goes out of the room, um, I think he asks for her to have a glass with him, and so she goes to get another glass. He pours lighter fluid on the new book, and he has the match, the cigarette. Uh, he lights the book. She tries to put it out, um, and he smacks her over the head with the typewriter when she is on the That's floor. Right. Yeah. Right. Waffles her, as they say. Um, she kind of no-sold it. <laughs> she's up. She's trying to strangle him. Uh, there's all sorts of things like eye gouges. This is maybe yes. basically a wrestling match, this. Aye, now. Aye, aye. Um, and eventually he manages to trip her up as she's trying to walk, and she falls, lands headfirst onto the typewriter. Um, the absolute beauty of her being undone by the typewriter. Yep. Beautiful. Yep. Yep. Um, and uh, we get, um, you know, we, they do a like a eighteen months later, and he's uh, he's with his publisher, who is kind of asking him to write a book about his experience, about everything that happened, and that's where we we sort of see that from his point of view, he's he's never been able to move past this. He sees the uh, the waitress in the restaurant as her. He sees mm -hmm. her as Annie. Um, and that waitress just happens to come along and tell him that she is his number one fan. Um, yeah, brilliant film, absolutely brilliant. Some of this stuff could be could come across or sound quite cheesy, but it's really not. It's executed uh -huh. amazingly. Yep. Really, yep. really is. Um, I like the little the little bits and pieces you get of the sheriff and his wife. I, I would happily mm -hmm. watch a series where the sheriff and the wife were um, trying to investigate crimes. Yeah, oh, the like poor the, sheriff. I forgot what yeah, happened to him, actually. He's blown to smithereens. She <laughs> blows a hole through Yeah, he actually comes to the house. Um, yeah, yeah, poor lad. Yeah, <sighs> I, absolutely fantastic film. Yeah. Um, pales in comparison, of course, to Puppet Master, but, you know. What doesn't? So, yeah. They can't all be, they can't <laughs> all be uh, masterpieces. Um, for 1991, we will be moving on of course and it's looking like the people Wes Craven's the people under the stairs okay for next time another Can't. one I've not seen don't know if you, have you seen yeah but I don't really remember it okay so excellent. it's a long time ago excellent oh and one more question talking to uh, Stephen King adaptations your favorite right or, yeah your favorite Stephen King adaptation. okay so I'm in two minds about this I've got two in my mind immediately one is Stand By Me, which was based on a short story Stephen King wrote. Um, and the other is The Shining. However, the film The Shining is so different from the book that I think I'd probably go towards Stand By Me. Nice, nice choice. 
um, I think I would maybe pick. I really like. I really like it. Um, part one, the kids' part. Mm-hmm. I'm not hugely no, sold on the, the adults' part. Yeah. Um, I really, really liked Doctor Sleep. That's fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I would possibly pick that, but then there's things like Pet Cemetery, which are just fun. Oh, Christine. Pet Cemetery was great. Yeah, there's so many. I, I, I loved, but was totally freaked out by Carrie when I first saw that. I've never uh, seen Carrie. Oh, brutal. Absolutely brutal. And then, I don't know why I loved this film, but uh, I think it's because I saw it when I was young and someone grabbed me in it. It's a film called Christine. Yeah, I, I like Christine as well. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. That's another good, fun film. Aye. Um, Empire Magazine... In June, they just did a top five Stephen King adaptations. So I'll tell you what happened. What did they do? Top? No, they did top 15. Sorry. Okay. Um, Our Boy Misery was number six. Uh, the Mist was number five. Stand By Me, number four. Carrie, number three. Shawshank, number two. And The Shining, number one. Okay. Which is an odd thing to pick, I think. Yeah, I think. The I reason mean... you're saying that. Stephen King, King hated it. Hates it. Ah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I guess if you look at them as two totally separate things, the book and the film, they're both excellent. Um, but yeah, they're not really the same. Yeah. Okay, doc. That was misery. Fantastic. Let's jump into some wrestling chat. Awesome. Sting, how has your week been? Figure out who I am yet. No, uh, I didn't really think you would. I could tell you, but why? I want you to be scared. I want you to wonder. I want you to look behind you. Check in the closet. Check behind the bed. (laughs) Amazing. This is a little like Yoda at the end there. The the great thing is, watching you react to that, you, you, you sold it as if, is that what he said? Like, I've never heard this before. I love that it says, Sting, how has your week been? Like it's a love letter or something. <laughs> I hope you're keeping well. How can we talk Halloween Havoc 1990 without talking the Black Scorpion? I had wow. never, ever been exposed to the Black Scorpion. Okay. And thankfully... The Black Scorpion has now exposed himself to me. I will never let it go. I will never be the same again. <laughs> um, Halloween have 1990 took place on the 27th of October 1990. This, I like that, you know, last last uh, episode we talked about Halloween Havoc 89. Halloween, I, I think it was Halloween Havoc in name only. This year, however, it feels like WCW just embraced it. Embrace the Halloween. Let's go nuts yep. with it. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I'm not just talking Black Scorpion. You know, right from the right from the start, we get a sort of video package with WCW wrestlers' heads as like sort of ghouls mm-hmm. and stuff. And then um, once we're on screen, we've got everybody who is working on the set dressed in Halloween costumes. JR is the least convincing gangster you've ever seen in your life. He almost looked like apologetic for what he was um, wearing. We've got Polly dangerously as a as a vampire. 
Uh, yep. Shivoni as a as Phantom of the Opera with yeah, his pink right. lips. Yeah, um, it's I love I love it. It's like fully embracing the the silliness and it's just. But yeah, I think if you're way... gonna have the show, then throw yourself into it. I do it exactly. Yeah, uh, and and going back to the Black Scorpion, I think he pretty much features almost immediately as the pay per view goes on. Does he, or do, do we get him after the first? I think yeah, I think it's straight after the first tag match. But I think I think you probably know a little bit more about Black Scorpion than I do. Um, yeah, I've done so, some digging. Okay. Not that I'm obsessed with the Black Scorpion or anything, <laughs> but you, you you told me that. So so what had happened was they just brought this character out WCW, uh, Ollie Anderson thought that this was a good I think he flippantly from what I understand flippantly threw out this name as kind of like putting X where you mean for a heel to go uh-huh. and Black Scorpion and Jim Herder being like yes what is this <laughs> amazing so they just kind of went with it and they didn't really know who they never knew who it was going to be it was just going to be a character in a mask okay that does magic yeah um, and that uh, terrorizes Sting and they're trying. I mean, initially they're trying to play it off as like someone from his past. Uh-huh. Um, they're kind of pointing towards a Beat Ultimate Warrior, uh, who Sting yeah. was famously in a tag team with before Warrior went to WWF. Uh, I think Warrior's WWF champion at the time, so that's like it's quite interesting. Mm. Yeah, uh, sort of PR type stuff going on there. But as with most things in wrestling, they had an idea. They didn't think it through to its completion, and the execution was dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I have a memory of seeing a Sting against Black Scorpion match on a pay per view. Yeah, yeah like, Clash of the Champions. Right, and it it at, at that time I didn't know where this had come from. I didn't know, like, because I hadn't seen this show, and, you know, this is only a couple of years ago, and I was like, all right, is this just a... And we've talked before about how they're not so good in these days, in this era, at doing the package that explains everything when you go in to watch a match. So I'm like, all right, they've just wheeled out this guy that Sting's going to have a one-off match with, and that's it, and then we'll move on, because you just didn't get the backstory. But what I'd never seen before were these sort of early origins of this character amazing and and they're doing these interviews with sting and uh, is it uh, coddle yeah yeah uh, i can't remember his first name again bob bob coddle and he's like well how do you prepare for a man like this you know you can prepare for a rick flair and arn anderson but you don't know who this man is and stings like really early on as far as trying to be the face of the company and mm-hmm. just a little bit awkward and so I just saying stuff and one of the first things that um sting ever says was you know uh, i think he says something like it could be rick flair under there sort of thing that's mm-hmm. like literally one of the first things he said about him and yeah. obviously it turned out to be rick flair yeah um but the person that wrestled him at clash of champions wasn't a flair it was i, I can't remember who the person was it was somebody that i okay. heard of before right um yeah, because I think they end up long term doing a a story where Sting's never allowing Flair a title shot, and then Flair, yeah. as Black Scorpion, wrestles him. Ah, uh, well, that ah, uh, that might that 
yeah, execution maybe not that bad then. Mm-hmm. I just think Flair being, you know, it's this this thing, yeah. a masked wrestler, you tease and tease and tease, but the payoffs, mm-hmm. it was me, Austin. And I, I think what they've, they've done by the sounds of it is they've fallen into that at some point down the line. I don't think they've had that in mind here and now, you know. Uh-huh. Maybe they were planning a pitch to try and get Warrior or something like that, but who knows. The thing, I think it's an amazing, amazing maybe a stretch. I think it's a cool angle, especially for them to have done in the early 1990s to come up with mm-hmm. this thing of this guy who's terrorising Sting. They've got the whole magic stuff, which is like yeah. quite theatrical and for yeah. a live crowd, probably like, ooh, that's amazing <laughs> sort of thing. Um yeah. I, I think they could have just, they probably could have rode it out and had anybody under there mm-hmm. and just kept him as Black Scorpion. I suppose you have to, it's like Kane, you have to take the mask off eventually. eventually. But you spoil yeah. it when you take the mask off. But you could have, especially in this era, you could have gone with it for quite a while before mm-hmm. you before you did that. Yeah. I think I was just so surprised to see this on a WCW show. Yeah, and, yeah. and in this era, you know, they, they, this, this sort of narrative has always been WWF was your stories and your outlandish characters and all that, and the the real sort of hard hitting wrestling was on WCW. Mm. And so it just felt like I, I was so surprised when I saw it. I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> should we? Should we? Because we'll, we'll talk about um, Black Scorpion again yeah. after that first match. So let's talk about let's talk through this pay per view. What we should say is, is the show that we watched is only less just less than two hours long. Yeah. The pay-per-view that was on was around three hours long. Um, the the network version that we've watched has cut a lot of the matches, mm-hmm. and it's not not it's cut. It's literally cut out some matches. Junkyard Dog versus like yeah. Moon Dog something. Um, Moon Dog Rex. Moon Dog Rex and a couple more, but also yep. the matches that's left on it, it's actually cut out bits and pieces of those matches yeah. as well. To yep. be fair, I, I wouldn't have noticed if I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just the whole, I think almost every match is a tag match bar a couple yeah. uh, matches. Again, it's like tag match after tag match and you're just a bit like, hold on a minute. This mm-hmm. is weird. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, we, so we've, last pay-per-view, we had the, the backstage interviews and we were jumping back and forward. This year, we're just doing them out on the the aisle and we've got a big stage up next to the, the ring which looks quite cool to me i quite like yep. that whole whole deal we've got shivani on the ramp and he's almost like the on on field interviewer mm-hmm. as, as they're coming out which is strange yep. um we kick off with a tag team match uh, the midnight express jim Cornette taking on ricky morton and tommy rich yeah um, and i want to say who would who is ricky morton's normal tag team partner uh, oh, Ricky Morton, uh, Robert Gibson, is that right? Yes, yeah, he was injured at the time, and that's why yep. Tommy Rich is here. Uh, with Ricky Morton, yep, I thoroughly enjoyed this opening match again. Compared with last year, the tag matches go a lot longer than mm-hmm. we're maybe programmed to, rem- to, to remember seeing tag yeah. matches go. I'll, yep. I really enjoyed it at first. first or sort of, I've not seen a lot of Midnight Express matches, and I've okay. always heard so many stories. Yeah, and they lived up to the stories. I thought they were a fantastic duo to watch. Yeah, they're they're a proper tag team, in that 
you know, there's very believable chemistry there between the two. They, uh, they work well as a unit. You know, some synchronised moves and things like that. You don't watch, look at a tag team like this and think, you know, which guy's the Michaels? You know, a hundred percent. This this is a, a tag team. It's a unit, and they're so effective in what they do. Um, yeah, they're That's really a good. Really watch. interesting point. I, I never once thought that, but I, I mm. didn't recognise that you don't think it because with mm. a lot of tag teams, that's exactly what you think. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I, yeah, no, no intention. I don't think to ever push one of these guys as a single. I think on the other side, the rock and roll. I think um, Ricky Morton actually got a, bit, a little bit of a run as a single, but I think again that was maybe when Robert Gibson was out injured and things right. like that. Um, right. But yeah, there's, they're all, you know, the 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 Midnight's and Ricky Morton in particular, all fantastic tag wrestlers. Yeah. Um, Tommy Rich. I just so wasn't as sold on Tommy Rich. Just... He was barely in the match, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he didn't do Morton any favours. Morton <laughs> was stuck in this match for a very long time. <laughs> Definitely was. Uh, and Cornet was being an absolute menace on the side yeah. with his racket and, and, and all sorts of some kicks and punches when the ref's back, as soon as the ref's back was turned all the time. Yeah. It's, I think it's, it's made me want to see more Midnight's and Rock and Roll Express matches because you know that's that's a legendary feud and they've had mm-hmm. who knows how many matches they've had between them uh, against each other but and it felt like you know three out of four elements are right here or if you add Cornette four out of five they're they're right here mm-hmm. um, so yeah I'd, I think it's at a point where I may try and seek out some Midnight's against Rock and Roll yeah yeah me too really really enjoyed watching them. Um, and one of the, a couple of things that uh, I'd found out after watching this match, because I was wanting to dig in a little bit, um, Cornette had Cornette was on the booking committee. I think he maybe left the booking committee by this time, but he had been on the booking committee. And what he'd put forward was for the Midnights to join the Horsemen. So it would have been Arn, Flair, and the Midnights, and. Um, okay. Flair would, uh, Flair, Cornet would have sold their contracts to women um, so that he wouldn't have been aligned with the horsemen. That wouldn't have fit, but if they felt, he felt. um, And Flair was on board with that, and that's when they ended up with Sid and and Barry Windham on the horsemen. And I think that pissed Cornet off. Doesn't it take much? Um, (laughs) But I think they were fed up getting booked the way that they were getting booked i think mm-hmm. you know they're they're, okay. opening, they're opening here um you've got a lot of tag teams on this and for me they're up there as one of the best on the show mm-hmm. um, but nowhere near titles or anything like that so yeah um, i think i think it was stan lane and, and Cornette walked away two or three days after this pay-per-view okay yeah, it's an interesting one. I've always heard Flair and he must have done so many tours with them and all that, that he loved both the Midnights and the Rock and Roll Express. Um, and so I could see that from his point of view, being happy to have them in and, and, and work with that. Um, and I imagine, yeah, how how often in a town are they going to be sharing near the top of a card? It probably happened time and time again uh, yeah. with Flair and those guys. Um, I think I... I um, I was surprised when it hit 
who actually the horsemen were. It becomes quite clear early on in this because, you know, there's been quite a few different guises and I didn't mm. really have a memory of Sid being a horseman. No. Um, and I'm it's not a... sure how well it fits. Sid it's a horseman. bizarre package. Yeah. It really is. To see him, I think, will we'll go on. There's an interview with Flair, yep. Arn and Sid and Sid's just... I don't know. The picture doesn't look right, does it? Mm -hmm. It's strange. I I just associate him with either being on his own or being like the heavy alongside someone else. Um, And I know they always had like an enforcer type in the horseman, but it didn't seem like that. It seemed like the role he was playing was like groomed to be the next top guy. Um, But I don't know that he needed that. The the horsemen are like your best technical wrestlers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not necessarily these larger than life psychopaths. No, yeah, <laughs> Sid was portraying like not a Benoit. Sure ben, a Benoit's like a, perf- a perfect fit for the Horseman. You can see why they put him yes. in it. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I'm not I, sure I this is as bad as like Mongo McMichael, but you know. No. <laughs> but then, oh, the, Tommy Rich tried another pin with a Thez press. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that's the coldest tag. Yeah. It was so clearly like, if that is the the Rock and Roll Express, that hot tag is red hot when it happens. But yeah, yeah. and later on in the match, we get the sub- Southern Boys coming down yeah. dressed as Cornet. They're trying to get involved. They look a bit more like Timmy Mallet than they did yeah. Cornet. Do you remember Timmy Mallet? I do, I um, do, but I don't know they, who the Southern ga- Southern Boys were. No, no, I don't either. They were actually on the card as well, and Cornette would come back down and return the favour um, and get involved in their match. So, uh, a bit of chaos towards the end, but Cornette's racket ends up in the ring. Tommy Rich. Tommy Rich uses it to yep. win the match. That's disgusting. Yep. Poor Ricky Morton. Yeah. He takes that beating and he gets all the glory. Uh-huh. He also had to leap off the top onto the other midnight on the on the outside just to allow Rich to get the pin. He's, uh, he was the least deserving guy in the match to get the pin. Agreed. Agreed. So a good start. Yep. Um, then the highlight of the show, we've got Tony Sh- Phantom of the Shivani. He's with Sting, the world champion. Um, now, first, first of all, what Sid is trying, uh, what Sting is trying to say is that Sid's... Hold on, let me get this right, because I'm just going to end up... Do you know what I'm talking about, eh? Yes, but I could not work out what the hell he was actually trying to say. <laughs> I think what he's basically trying to say, don't make checks you can't cash, your ass can't yes. cash. Yes. But what he says was, I don't want your butt to overload your you-know-what. You-know-what? His, his mouth! <laughs> Does does Shivani try to like? Does he say something about Sting being excitable or something like that? He's trying yeah, to. It's very understandable that you'd be feeling like this, Sting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so thank goodness this promo gets cut short. Um, out of nowhere, we get Sting. <laughs> Do you know what I've got Over in the my notes? Speakers, yeah. And I watched and wrote this before you um, sent me your. Your voice message. Um, is, I've got the way the Black Scorpion says Sting is amazing. <laughs> amazing. 
it's where they got the. It must be where they got the uh, the, the idea for the character and saw. Has to yeah, be. obviously, it's definitely. Hosting. Um, so here we get the the black scorpion and he's taunting over over the speakers. He's taunting. This is Ollie Anderson's voice. Have, have we said that already? Yeah, um, right. I don't know if we did, but yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, He's taunting Sting, he's going to come and get him, and he's giving him all these sort of scary taunts and all that sort of stuff. And then he appears, and he's like dressed as like, the, he's kind of like dressed like a Grim Reaper. Yeah. Classic sort of Grim Reaper image. He grabs a poor woman that's working on the stage. Yep. This is what you get for not dressing in Halloween costumes, this poor woman. She's <laughs> just got jean, jeans and her t-shirt on. She grabs... He uh, grabs her, carries her up some stairs, and puts her on. What what would you call it? Like in, inside of a, like a magician's cube type thing. Yeah, yeah. Pulls that... along a curtain. Sting is desperately trying to get to her, uh, him, her. Um, and like you said to me, pe- why are people holding him back? Are they working for the Black Scorpion? <laughs> it seemed strange. <laughs> Maybe it's just respect the magic trick. Just you know, sit in your seat Don't and watch. Fucking ruin it, yeah! Excitable prick. Anyway, Sting's trying to get to. It. Eventually, he gets to. It. He pulls back a curtain, and he's disappeared. Some pyro goes off, and then round the other side of the stage, the the black scorpion appears again with the woman. <laughs> he's a master, but manipulator, him. Huh? Um. I don't. I don't remember what the payoff was. I was just it, maybe too excited. Did he just oh, run away with her? Yeah. No. No. So the thing that confused me the most because he let her go. He left That's her. Right. He, and he, he throws ran her away. Sting, doesn't he? Yeah. But then she runs off in the exact same direction that the black scorpion went, and I was ah. like, no. <laughs> but maybe she enjoyed it. I don't know. Some somebody's made an impression on this woman. <laughs> and Polly dangerously is selling this like like Mister Perfect selling at SummerSlam. 92, 90, 93, he is, he's terrified. I, I was. Jing must have been pissed off his whole life. He's not selling this a minute. Like, I think he says something like, I can't believe what just happened, but I suppose he could be saying that in many different ways. <laughs> but, well, yeah. I can't tell you what college this Black Scorpion played football at. <laughs> but I was thinking... Like, because I remember I was surprised that Heyman was on the announcer duty with JR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when this started, I just remember that, oh, brilliant. Heyman's on this. This is, he, he will do whatever he can to put this over because he's Paul Heyman. Um, and yeah, he was he was doing everything he could. And I did get the impression JR was standing there next to him, like, oh, for fuck's sake, get me to WWF. Red ass JR. <laughs> what um, age do you think Heyman is here? Oh, he's going to be really young, isn't he? Uh, right, okay. This is, where are we at? 30, 32 years ago. I'm going to guess he is, he's probably like, he's probably thir- 35. No, I don't even be that old, is he? He's 25. Oh, man. <laughs> That's amazing, eh? I was thinking when I said it, he's not 70. So, oh, Jesus. Crazy. Wow. Uh, okay, <laughs> after all that excitement, let's not let our butts overload our mouths and get on to the next 
<laughs> Imagine a Sting and Sid uh, promo off in the ring. Oh, don't you talk about my butt. <laughs> uh, next match is a tag team match. We have got the Renegade Warriors. Yeah. Which are two brothers, I believe, called the Youngbloods. Chris and Mark Youngblood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, never heard of them before. I think this is their pay-per-view debut. Yeah, because I'd heard of Youngblood as another wrestler. Was there an older Youngblood? Um, I wondered if they if this was real and there was a relation, but I have no idea. I didn't look. They, unfortunately for them, are taking on the fabulous Rebirds. Yeah. Um, and they are... We've got pink hair, Michael Hayes. They both got face paint on. They're just wildly over. We talked about them mm-hmm. the last time. There's no point in trying to book a baby. Maybe this is why they've just sort of chucked the, these renegade warriors yeah. against them. Yeah. Um, good luck trying to get over against them because we thought it was maybe a Philly thing, but clearly mm-hmm. not. Um, there was, they just, we love them here. There was a bit of a uh, storyline where it seems to have been them that injured Robert Gibson. Um, yes, of that's the, right. The rock and rolls. Um, and there's also a roadie called Little Richard Marley. <laughs> You seem to have a few different names. JR seemed to be referring to all these different sort of names. Um, I don't know what he was dressed like. Mm. He was dressed as something. Michael Hayes here has gone full like David Bowie. He, he, he's like the makeup's there. The you know he he's gone full glam rock star. Yes, here. he has. Uh, he's got the sparkly dungarees on. Yeah. Um, and I would say to you, this is. So, so this is Seth Rollins' character. Mm, so yeah. this is Michael Hayes. Because if you could take Michael Hayes and if you transported this version into 2023, that's what you would get. Yeah. Seth Rollins goes about wearing what appear to be women's clothing and with silly hair and over-the-top reactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point. And is... Um... Michael Hayes is still there, isn't he? So he's yeah. probably helping out with all this with Seth Rollins. It's never not been my favourite character that I've seen, the, nah. the Rollins one. I prefer the Michael Hayes one. Wow. Yeah, a better promo. Yeah, yeah. Definitely not better in ring. <laughs> definitely not. But, no. but uh, yeah, uh, that, Michael Hayes is... I can see exactly why he's as over as he is here. It's... It's just he's got charisma. He's, yeah, and and in the territories you can see that being a, a lot bigger, even mm-hmm. bigger. Yeah, um, there's not much to this match really. It's quite long. Yeah, there there were. I've not got a huge number of notes, but what I did notice is, and I remembered this from later eras, the Paul Heyman really starting to get under Jr. skin. Yes. He's just winding him up. Yep, it's amazing <laughs> that that's happening here. Yep. And and it goes on and on to, you know, what was that WrestleMania 17? Yeah. They're, they're together. Yep. It's brilliant. JR's just got like a career of people annoying them. Uh-huh. And then um, getting annoyed by it. At one point, Heyman uh, says something like, I said it, and therefore that makes it right or something like that. And JR's yeah. just flabbergasted. 
Yeah, there's a really good pairing. It's an underrated pairing. It yeah. just works, and the fact that he annoys him, and I suspect, although I apparently does like him, I suspect there's maybe some genuine in there that Heyman's, you know, enthusiasm and and loving the heels probably does get on Jr's yeah. nerves. But yeah, it works. Um, the the sort of story around this match is basically the fans desperate to see the DDT. Uh, and the the freebirds looking for the the DDT, mm-hmm. but as far as I can remember, I'm just looking at my notes. I think ref distracted roll up. Oh no, we got we did get the DDT. Yeah, we got did a DDT. Get a DDT. Yeah. DDT so the Hayes. one of the young bloods had rolled up um, Garvin and was basically exposed standing in the roll-up or crouching in the roll-up position and Hayes came right up, just grabbed his head and DDT'd him. And he did like a DDT that looks like it may in fact have snapped your neck off as, a, as opposed to like sort of yeah, I don't the, the, the top of your skull off the floor. Uh-huh. It's more of a wrench. I don't really remember Jake's looking quite as <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> no. The DDT's over here though, massive. Yeah. Yeah, hugely. Right, it should be. Should I mean, that's it. Where, where are we? We're in 1990. So I assume Jake at this point is is doing the DDT in WWF. Um, yeah. I would have thought. But was, yeah. Was Ar- Arn Anderson's. I, I always associate the Spinebuster with Arn Anderson. But yeah. The, was, was the DDT a big part of him as well? Cause... Not that I remember. But... Nah, me neither. We'll, we'll yeah. get on to that then. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I roll up. Not a roll up. I win for the Freebirds. Yeah. Um, another uh, a good win for them. Uh, okay, we go to the top of the ramp. We are with Shivani, and just like we we said earlier, is with the three of the four horsemen: Flair, Sid, and Arn. No mention of the fourth horseman. Um, we'll we'll get to that later on. Yeah. Arn Anderson. I, I think we might have said this before. Possibly not. An underrated talent. Oh yeah, Massive, must, maybe one of the most underrated of all time. Yeah, he had everything. He was one of them where, Como. when I was a kid, do you remember when he and uh, Tully Blanchard, what were they called, the Brainbusters? Was that yes. it? In WWF. Yep. And I, I was a bit like, eh, because I was in, uh, you know, Demolition and the Heart Foundation and these slightly more gimmicky teams. Yes. Whereas these guys, there were, there was no, no frills, no gimmicks. They were just good wrestlers as a team. Mm-hmm. Um. And they're, I just have so much more appreciation now, watching the stuff now. Yeah. But it was a good promo as well. And, but I, I sort of in my mind thinking, this guy just seems a bit dull, but he can deliver a promo. Oh, I 100%. It's funny mm-hmm. how your perception changes, because I was, I was having the same sort of mm-hmm. deliberation in my head. I, remember, and I couldn't remember, but Brain Busters is right. Yeah. Um, and you're just kind of like, oh, these are just like a tag team duo that work together. Mm-hmm. There's nothing sort of interesting about them, but now yeah. I'd be more than happy to go back and watch some of their matches. Yeah, definitely. There'll, there'll have been some brilliant ones because they, they did have matches with the likes of the Heart Foundation. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe go back and look at some of that as well. Yeah. Um, I liked all three promos actually. Flair, Flair is Flair. Yeah. Uh, like we said, Arn and then Sid. I mean, Sid can cut a promo. Oh, yeah. yeah. It might be like incoherent and. But it's, it's terrifying and yeah. intense. They're, they're very set promos. They, they don't really sound like anything else. Um, but they work. They work with yeah. the character. Definitely. It's just the presentation doesn't... It looks like a faction, maybe. But mm-hmm. no, the, 
it's weird saying it's weird seeing Flair and he's talking about this guy's going to become the world heavyweight champion. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's nineteen ninety. And this, I think, this might be around about the time. Have you ever heard the thing about they wanted they wanted Ric Flair to look like they wanted him to cut his hair short and did they yes. want him to look like the guy from Spartacus or something like that? Yeah, that was it. Because we're we're it's we're nineteen ninety. We're towards the end of nineteen ninety. It's the ninety two Rumble where Flair wins the belt, and I think mm. Sid's the last guy he eliminates. So they're both there at that ah, point. Ah, really? There yeah. Yeah. Yeah, apparently Flair's getting pretty pissed off round mm-hmm. about this time, the booking. And apparently Flair was supposed to face Scott Steiner on this pay-per-view. Okay. And solo match, they'd been given Steiner. Steiner had actually beat Flair on TV prior okay. to this. But then Barry Windham got injured. It was supposed to be Arn and Barry Windham. Right. was going to get his win back. He started getting pissed off. So. Yeah. Um, there we go. Cut to the next match. Talking to the Steiner brothers. We've got Steiner brothers, the US tag team champions. Yeah. Have you ever heard of there being a US tag team championship? No, I think I, I remember when, like, uh, I think WCW was kind of formed with more than one company feeding into it i remember there were like things referred to as the nwa tag titles and then i think the wcw tag titles and that but i didn't remember there being a us tag titles it's odd so it was almost like a mid-card tag Mm -hmm. team title Um, and you don't think the steiner brothers are that no no absolutely Uh, not yeah and they're taking on a rather couple of slim looking nasty boys yeah I was surprised when I saw them and I was, again, I was trying to think in my head, when did they go to and have their big WC, uh, WWF run? Um, and I couldn't quite figure it out in terms of where we are now. So I looked it up and I, I think they're in WWF by like early in the next year. Right. Um, but so, I remember hmm. them being not so slim down in WWF. Aye. And in my head, you've got Legion of Doom, Money Incorporated, Natural mm. Disasters, Nasty Boys, all yep. around about the same time. Yeah, well, were most of them not on the like SummerSlam '92 card? Possibly. So it's right. maybe a little bit down boys. the line from Is from it, here. Who, but... who did Legion of Doom take on when when Hawk was out, you know, out of the game? Was that Nasty Boys? Was that Money Inc? No, natural disasters were money ink. Yeah, it might have been nasty boys. Interesting. Yeah. Um, this was a nasty boys I enjoyed watching. And mm-hmm. if this had been a nasty, if this was the nasty boys you were seeing on the territories, and they were billed as like these sort of hard New Yorkers, yep. that were, you know, nasty boys. Um, I can see the appeal. Definitely yeah. see the appeal now. I I much preferred this to the way they're presented in WWF. I, I, I don't know, like, there's so much focus in WWF about sticking guys under their armpits or whatever, you know, stuff like that. It, yeah. it, I don't know, they they seemed... feels like a stupid thing to say. They seemed legitimate here. Uh-huh. No, like, I, these yeah. guys are a real threat to whatever other team they're taking on. Um, yeah. yeah. I kind of think another word to describe them now, apart from nasty, but they, they, mm. they come across like these sort of rough and ready type characters that would do whatever it takes to win and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, 
and we really enjoyed the Steiners last time, last Halloween Havoc, and we talked about physicality, mm-hmm. and we get the exact same in this match, and you definitely get that for the Steiners, eh, from the Nasty Boys as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's Scott that's cut off for a long time in this match, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and Rick keeps losing his head and making it worse for Scott. He keeps coming into the ring and getting wound up by the Nasty Boys classic sort of heel tag team move, goading him into the ring so that they can double team Scott while the the ref's back's turned, which is just your sort of classic heel tag psychology. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, there was a lot of it in this match. Felt like Scott was in for the like almost the whole match. Yeah, yeah, there was, and I think I got to a point where I expected. The hot tag and I've written we get the hot tag and then he did something they did something else to him mm-hmm. and it just went on and I, I again I quite enjoyed it. it I think when you do it that way you're obviously building up the crowd but it, does, it takes away for that formulaic feeling yeah that you, that you sometimes get mm-hmm. it was also during this match that there was some stuff said in the commentary that made me think there's something not on this show that we are supposed to have seen. I can't remember exactly what oh, it was really? that was referenced by JR, but that was what prompted me to go and have a look. And I think between the previous match and this match, there were like two or three matches that were that had been on the card. And then there's another one later on, but this was the first time I noticed it. And then it's when I clicked on the, because I hadn't properly looked at the length of the show, I clicked on it, I thought, huh. It's only less under two hours. It's a little weird, eh? Yeah. Um, the very uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to mention. Three things I wanted to mention right at the very start. Um, Rick, I think Rick gets no, sorry, it's uh, yes. Scott gets one of the nasty boys up on his shoulders, turns around, and Rick does a like a bulldog off the top rope uh-huh. all the way down. It's amazing. Yep. Absolutely yep. amazing. Um, there's sorry, go. On. Um, I'd, I think JR massively sells that. He's he's saying something about how he didn't think he'd ever seen that move before and stuff like that. And it just looked so impactful and impressive. Because, yeah. yeah, it's not it's not a move you see regularly, anyway. Uh, um, there's a point where the Nasty Boys have been working on Scott for a good way, I think. Yeah, they, they, they hit him with, like, a spike pile driver at one point. Yes. <laughs> Rick just goes fuck this, and starts hitting these brutal Steiner line clotheslines, but yep. then goes flying away over the top rope. I, I yep. don't know if he ends up... Does he get thrown over the top rope? He goes flying. Yes, he does. Yep. Yeah, he and gets thrown over. At that point, I, th- I thought he's going to... Like, this is going to break up. It's maybe going to break down into a bit tornado tag type mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but it doesn't. It just He has to make his way back to the corner whilst Scott's yep. getting absolutely barred. Yeah, um, it, yeah, it's um. I, I find it interesting. I, I'm trying to remember who it was I heard talking about. It might have been Jake, uh, Jake the Snake, talking about the fact that you can allow a match to break down to a certain degree, but as soon as the referee is seen to have no authority, he thinks that you've lost it. It's gone because there has to be seen to be a consequence. Otherwise, why is anyone playing by the rules? Yeah. Um, and it we see so many tag matches where it does just break down but I was quite pleased to see that for whatever reason, yeah, Scott had to go back to the corner, you know, the referee's in charge you have to go back Yeah, yeah, 100% um, 
the very third thing is the ending of this match. Is it Brian Nobbs that takes Frankensteiner? Yes. At the end, he yep. dives like up into the air head first. Yep. Rather than let Scott Steiner do the move on him, he dives into it. Uh huh. And the way he lands looks horrible. Yep. Fair, fair play to him for taking that because yep. that, that almost makes the move like 100% real. Uh huh. Yeah. Because there's no, no way he can control his body the way that he's just diving head first uh-huh. up into the air. <laughs> I was concerned for him, but I think he was he was up and involved in the the melee after the it match. Was, it yeah. was. <laughs> it was impressive. So Steiners get the win. It was a good match. A yep. good fun match. Definitely put the Nasty Boys over at me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not finished. The Nasty Boys uh, beat them up. Afterwards, they run Rick into the ring post a couple of times. Yeah. Um, Though it was yeah. a it's a nice contrast as well from the previous tag match um with the Midnight Express because you know we've basically um sort of discounting the Freebirds one a little bit but we've kind of had nothing but tag matches so far. Yeah. But it I think when you get to this point, you're sort of risking maybe things feeling a bit samey. Um, but I thought this felt so different. Um, just like a brawl, an angry brawl, but with some wrestling in there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you had this sort of slick tag team um, technicality of the mm-hmm. Midnight Express. And then, yeah. yeah, you had really physical, mm-hmm. uh, dirty tactics and like the power of the Steiner. So, yeah, yeah. totally agree. Um, we get one of the sort of obvious jump cuts here. We go to, to Shivani's with Scott Steiner. Yep. Um, I was thinking, oh dear, what is Scott Steiner going to say here? He doesn't <laughs> get much chance, really, because yeah. some person uh, sneaks up behind him in disguise and jumps him. And it's uh, Jerry Sags dressed as some sort of popcorn vendor or, or something like that. And we get yep. both uh, nasties out here and they're laying it into him. Yep. Setting the scene for for another match, but I think the Steiners might be off to WWF. Oh, yeah, probably makes sense timing wise. Yeah, so there we go. I think the next thing is a another tag match or or tag team title match, is it? Yep, yep, yep. Very disappointed um, by a part of the presentation here. So we've got Arn Anderson and Ric Flair from the Horsemen um, taking on our. They're the tag team champions, aren't they? Aye, they're taking yes. on WCW tag team champions, Doom, yep. who we loved seeing last yep. time out. Um, now they are with Teddy Long as their manager. Yep. Uh, who did they have? They had women last they time, women. didn't they? Yep. Um, and then now they're unmasked. Yeah, I was really surprised to see that they'd unmasked. I, I think I wasn't as surprised. I, I had it in my head that they were aligned with Teddy Long at some point. Um, but yeah, when I saw them unmasked, I thought, oh. I don't know. Like, I think we really enjoyed the presentation the last oh, time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, I don't know, it felt like it took something away from it for me. Yeah, it did a wee bit. It's just like two, I don't know, just two big guys now. Mm-hmm. Two big um, ex-football players gives JR an opportunity to sit there and masturbate about their, <laughs> their college scholarships and whatnot. Yeah. Um, what did you think of this tag team title match? What did you think of, of Anderson and, and Flair? I thought they were really good. I thought Arn Anderson was superb in this match. Um, he's obviously very uh, seasoned as a tag wrestler. 
um, I thought uh, from you know you you have a good dynamic with him and Flair, but for me, I, like when I was watching it, Arn Anderson stood out in this match. Yeah, me too. Really interesting you say that because that's what I was talking about earlier. With such an under, I think he's a really underrated wrestler. Mm-hmm. When you go back and what he's amazing. Yeah, he's so yep. good. Um, from the selling to the the execution of a really simple move. We've talked about yep. Bret Hart before with the execution of something as simple as a suplex and mm-hmm. the difference it can it can make. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that as well. Um, big Doom though, Doom being put over pretty huge here yeah. as far as physical specimens and, and the dominance, especially Simmons. I thought yes. Yeah, because they, I think, is it, there, there's a, a point where Reed does the over the head press slam on Flair and Simmons does it on Anderson. And I'm looking, thinking, yeah, they, they're obviously two big, strong guys. It it feels like they're close to deciding to go somewhere with Simmons here, I think, uh, as a single. Um, an interesting dynamic here is that they're both heel, supposedly both heel. Yeah. Um, teams, uh, the way that the, the the match pans out is kind of like Doom fit into the babyface part of it when they, they eventually end up trying to uh, Anderson and Flair end up trying to isolate Ron Simmons and then they they're going to work on the knee. Yeah, uh, the assumption being they're going to work on the knee for the figure four. Um, a little bit of a disappointing finish. Though. Yeah, it was a bit. Um, yeah, there was, there was something that maybe this didn't sound weird in commentary. This is a little bit earlier in the match. It, it probably didn't sound weird at the time, but it sounded so strange now because Arn Anderson does a spine buster on Ron Simmons uh-huh. yeah. and Ron Simmons kicks out. And Paul Heyman says, I've never seen anyone kick out a spine buster before. And I'm thinking, you know, a spine buster is <laughs> if, if you had a 10 match card. You're probably seeing five spinebusters at an absolute <laughs> minimum these days, yeah. um, but it, it sounded so that kind of dated it for me. I was like, ah, you have now, Paul, <laughs> quite a few times. That's the beauty, though, isn't it? Because you think of the pop that um, was it WrestleMania 18 when it was Flair Undertaker and Arn mm-hmm. sneaks in the ring and hits Undertaker with the yeah. spinebuster, and it's like, oh my god, he hit yeah. a spinebuster. Yeah. And uh, there's a simpleness, definitely. Uh-huh. They've been taken away at some point, probably. Yep. Hardcore wrestling and, and ladders and, and uh-huh. whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that is funny. And yeah, we do see Anderson trying, I think, once or twice to get his... Uh, uh, is it a pile driver he's going for uh, on Simmons? And then the DDT, which again, I hadn't associated with him really... Um, and I think in these days, DDT was a finisher. You know, we've seen it with the Freebirds, but we're seeing it with Jake the Snake on the, on the, the other uh, company. Um, but yeah, it was it just wasn't something I'd associated with him. So they, they end up brawling out the ring, and you can kind of see where this is going. I actually thought it was going to go to a time limit draw because we kept mm-hmm. getting the, whatever it is, 15 minutes gone, 20 minutes gone. Quite yeah. like that. You didn't used to get that with WWF, did you? Yeah. No, yeah, um, and AEW do that quite well. But I, th- I often think AEW do it 
only in situations where you think they're either trying to tease, going to uh-huh. a, a time limit draw, or they're going to go a time limit draw. Yeah, um, it's difficult. It's, I suppose you either have consistent. to do it. Yeah, you have to do it all the time or not at all, really. Uh, yeah. Um, but they end up brawling down into an area of the crowd, and the referee is kind of saying, "I've had enough of this," and, and counts them both out. Yeah. Um, which is a shame because it was a really good match, actually. Uh huh. Really yeah. good aspects of it. It did it did leave you sort of thinking, well, I could watch that again if they mm-hmm. if they have another match, um then then all good. Um but yeah, a little bit disappointing. I I was like you, I'd I'd, I'd sold it in my head as it's gonna be a time limit draw. But yeah. Right, okay. Um it's funny to to have had so many tag team matches and 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 tag team wrestling not feel boring. Uh-huh. Yeah. So credit to all the all the matches, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, because we haven't had a singles match yet, have we? No? No. I mean, there <laughs> has been, but not on what we've been shown um, right. on the pay-per-view. Yeah. Fear not, Adam. Oh, yes. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. So we get we go backstage for the first time <laughs> on the pay-per-view, and we get the weirdest promo we've ever seen. Stan Hansen, who I have never personally never seen before. Don't know about you. I hadn't seen him. I've heard him mentioned a lot, like yeah, probably on podcasts and things like that. And I, I think it's always talked about as I think he had a big career in Japan. Um, uh-huh. yep. But yeah, I, I, I didn't have memories of seeing him in a pay-per-view before. He is talking to a pumpkin. Yeah. Incoherently, he has got what appears to be blood pouring out of his mouth. <laughs> um, I think it's like chewing tobacco or, or something. Yeah. He's sort of dressed in what I would say um, Terry Funk was sort of introduced to us as in round about yeah. 89. With yeah. The whole like, sort of cowboy uh, t- type gimmick. Yeah. But he's just, he's just clearly a loose cannon, an absolute crazy horse. Uh-huh. Is what he's being <laughs> yep. billed as. And, and he seems to have had some sort of historical beef with Lex Luger, who is the United States champion and if i was lex luger i've been running for the hills no chance you're getting me in there with him <laughs> he's a bit he's like on savage's level of you totally uh, think that he is actually batshit crazy yeah it's it's if he's if he's not he's playing it brilliantly <laughs> he's needing an oscar up there with kathy bates <laughs> and it says to you this guy is definitely jbl's favorite <laughs> yeah 100 percent. yeah <laughs> Because every iteration, maybe except from John Bradshaw Layfield, that you had a JBL was this guy. Yes. His whole thing was, I think they even referred to him as the Lariat Stan Hansen. Yes. Yeah. He, well, he was given it full on, like, just beating the shit out of you sort of thing that, mm-hmm. that JBL sort of does. Part, partway through the match, they give some background talking about how Hansen has been suspended by WCW. He's been fined, he's been banned, he has been expelled from wrestling in America, all that kind of thing. They're really big it up and playing, I assume, to the fact that he's had a lot of his career in Japan and they're explaining basically why. Um, but he's a, he's a big lad. He's an aggressive lad. He's huge. He makes Luger look normal-sized. <laughs> he does, yeah. And obviously, like what you've got is kind of Luger here trying to do the wrestling side of things uh-huh. and Hansen is your classic brawler um, 
and you know he's he's, he's got some moves, Luger, but he's never going to be your. He's you no know, steamboat. No, no, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, what what did you think of the match? It was all right. I, I felt it was just it was nice for a bit of a change, <laughs> as as far as anything. But yeah, it wasn't pretty to look at. Certainly, there was. There's no uh, shooting star presses or um, <laughs> Russian leg sweeps here. It was all. I, I, I think I thought this. Well, this guy's just a bit of a joke character. Um, but yeah. I think I have a feeling they were maybe trying to put him in contention with this. You know, he, he beats Luger here. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I thought when I saw him coming out and when I saw, you know, Luger coming out is that there's no way they're putting Hansen over here. You know, I just my, my immediate thought was this is to make Luger look good. You know, he's, that's what I thought too. But but no, I I was definitely of all the matches, I think this had the most surprising winner in terms of outcome for me because I was I was genuinely quite shocked. Yeah, I wonder where they went. I wonder where he went from here. Even the U.S. title would seem like it wouldn't fit him. Yeah. Yeah, if you it think seems about like, like an up and coming sort of yeah, almost like an intercontinental or something eh? like that. Yeah, eh? um, test somebody, see if they're ready for the the big belt. Um, yeah, and there's there's a connection. They have Dan Spivey come out uh, to ringside, and he is apparently Hanson is Spivey's mentor or something like that. Um, yeah. And he brings a cowbell with him, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but the, the cowbell doesn't actually come into play, really. It's not like Hansen uses it to get the win because he's got that ridiculous lariat that he actually hits Luger with. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think it really looked so, like a clothesline. It just looked like he forearmed him in the neck. JR <laughs> <laughs> would have liked that, though. I, I, I don't remember exactly what JR was like on commentary, but I just get the feeling he would love a, a, a rough and ready sort of oh, character yeah. like that. Yeah, definitely. Might need to look at um, where Stan Hansen went from there mm-hmm. afterwards. I don't expect to see him on the 1991 Halloween Havoc. Nah, I'd, I'd be pretty shocked by that. Disappointed to see no Pillman on this card. It was nice to see Luger after having seen the sort of younger version of him mm-hmm. the last year. We saw Steiners, Doom, yeah, Flair and Sting, obviously. No Muta. wonder if Muta was... Yeah. Left WCW by then, don't know. Yeah, possibly, and no Tom Zink. Well, that's just an absolute disappointment. That <laughs> no, it? no Samoan SWAT team, but I suppose we did have quite a lot of tag matches. They were probably head shrinking by this. Ah, uh, probably. No selling headbutts and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talking of tag. Tag teams again. We're back with a Phantom of the Shivonis with Teddy Long this time, and he says there'll be no more title matches for the Horsemen, which seems incredibly unfair given it was a double countout. Yep. Yep. I think he says something about players, some description. Yep. <laughs> Does he not? I th- uh, yeah, pretty standard uh, Teddy yeah. Long stuff. Which brings us to our main event. Um, we've got. Our number one contender, Sid Vicious, still wearing his his chaps from his um what were they called? Sky uh, skyscrapers. skyscrapers. Yep. So, I wonder at what point him and Spivey have split. They, they've mm-hmm. obviously picked uh, Sid 
from the skyscrapers and, and shot yeah. to the moon as far as putting them with the horsemen and whatnot. Yeah. Um, taking on Sting. It's a classic Sting look here. I love the pink mm-hmm. trousers, the pink uh, face paint. Yeah. And I'd said to you, this match, for whatever reason, there's a time where Sting jumps towards Sid and Sid catches him. And uh-huh. I felt like all I could see was my old, the old WCW <laughs> figures that didn't move. Yeah. Um, Amazing. For whatever reason, I was just like, "Oh my god, there's my, there's the figures." I didn't have many of the WCW ones because no. I remember thinking they were rubbish compared to your your WWF ones that moved and all that. Uh huh. Yeah, I was the same. Like the, I think I remember being quite excited to find these different types of ones for this different show that I didn't know an awful lot about. But I only ever bought like two, and then I, I just moved back to trying to collect every single one that WWF ever released oh, I think there's maybe a, I was watching this show on Netflix is it called something like the toys that made us or something like yes. that? Yes, yes I've not watched the the WWF toys figures Neither one have I. I need, need to watch it yeah because I've watched a couple of episodes of, of that show because it, it seemed like some of the stuff was geared towards my age group um, yep. so yeah I, I'll need to go back and watch that I really enjoyed the He-Man Masters of the Universe yeah. episode of that. I was like, oh, there's that yeah. battle yeah. tank or whatever it's called. Amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, this, I, I, I think, I think this, you know, this is never going to get any five stars or anything like that. I, I really enjoyed the match. Yeah. When they were wrestling, I really enjoyed it. Me too. Um, yeah, it was just the, the sort of, the way the finish, I don't know, I got the purpose of the finish when we get to that. Um, but it felt like a letdown because I was really enjoying the match. Mm-hmm. I, I would like it to went longer. Mm-hmm. A lot longer. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anything was cut out of our of that network presentation or not, but yeah. um, I didn't get that impression. I, I guess they're probably trying to keep Sting to, uh, Sid to quite short matches to probably. sort of minimise the... Because when, when I was looking at this on paper... Uh, I was not sold on this being a match I would really enjoy because I, I never really, you know, Sting, I think, had some great matches, but I think they tended to be with very good workers that he mm-hmm. had very good mm-hmm. matches. Um, and Sid is Sid. And, you know, he'll, if he has a good seller in there with him, he can have a good match. But I, I thought on paper, hmm, I'm not sure about this, but I enjoyed it way more than I expected to. I see I think I really, really like Sid. Mm. But I think, you know, if I was to... What is the WrestleMania? Is there a WrestleMania where he's main event? He main events in the WrestleMania 8 with Hogan when they put Savage Flair mid-card. Mid-card, the, that's right. Yeah. And I think that puts me off. That, that's yeah. when Papa Shango oh. comes out at the end and all that, isn't it? He, he lost the WWF title to Undertaker at one of them at WrestleMania. Did he? Although, was that the one? Was it? No. I'm trying to think which one. Remember when they had uh, Bam Bam against... Um, Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor. But I think in that one, was it not Razor and Michaels that had a title match before that? I can't remember. Uh, but he definitely lost the world title to Undertaker at Amania. Right. Yeah, I, I think... I don't know. I, don't, I think any time we've watched him on... The presentation of him being this massive psycho, 
mm-hmm. and he's not awful in the ring, and his power mm-hmm. bombs devastating. Oh yeah. Do you remember yeah. how? Do you remember if we really enjoyed the match with him and Michaels at Survivor Series '97? Yeah, I think we did. Did we? Yeah, yeah. That uh, was the that one where like a dream sort of match for him. Yeah, he could throw Michaels about the shop. Absolutely, and I think that was one where Michaels was maybe supposed to be the baby face, and the crowd just weren't having oh, it. They, yeah, they were. <laughs> they loved Sid there. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. He's definitely got something about him. You can understand yeah. why they would push him. You can definitely Absolutely. see why a Vince would be like, "I'll take him." Thank you very uh-huh. much. He doesn't. He doesn't need to be able to talk well to have charisma, and and I think that's quite rare. Uh, mm-hmm. There are a few others I can think of that are like that, but you see him and he's he's got something. He's a star. He's a, you know a main eventer. He he just has that in him. We'd love to see him in real life just to. Sort of see how big he is because he must be Im- unbelievably imposing. Uh huh. Yeah. Even now, I remember seeing a picture of him not that long ago. He kind of looked like Thurman Merman from um, uh, Bad Santa, but just massive. You know, he's still got his curls. Amazing. Can I fix you some sandwiches? But was his leg okay? Huh, I don't no. know. He was sitting down playing no. softball. <laughs> But getting back to this match, one part of disappointment, I was disappointed there's no Black Scorpion. Uh, okay. Highly yep. expected him to. Why would he not get involved in this? After he, all that, yeah. He's obsessed with Sting, for God's mm. sake. I thought he may have been under the ring or something like that, but Sting. <laughs> he's maybe having a lemon sip and soothing, soothing his throat. Um, <laughs> but we do get some shenanigans. We get Flair and, and Arn yep. coming down. Walking right past Sting, which is odd. Yeah. Um, I think they go. Did they go and try and take the belt or something like that? Yeah. It's 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 weird. I don't know. I don't know if that went exactly what was supposed to happen. <laughs> didn't it look there. like it? No. Nah. Uh, and Sting and Sid go down and sort of fight in the area where they've got counted out about, and mm-hmm. in amongst the crowd, only Sid returns. Yep. Um, a few minute, a few moments later, Sting. Returns, tries to pick up Sid in a body slam. Sid falls down on him, and we count to three. Um, I think that that'd be fine in isolation. I think you'd just be a bit like, "Whoa, what happened there?" That's uh huh. That's that's odd. But then yep. Gr goes, "What the hell?" Yeah, <laughs> that looks like Barry Windham or somebody. Yeah, did they look like Barry Windham? Gr, it looked like Sting. <laughs> this is, you know. I, we talked about this before, and I remember hearing Bruce Pritchard talk about it on a podcast how he never wants the announcers to know yeah. what the story is, what's to happen. You know, he wants them to just call what they see. Um, and this, I think, was one of those examples of why you would want that. Because I think you could question it like, oh, you know, I didn't expect that. That's a shock. You know, the way that ended. Okay. Um, but he, the speed at which he goes into full, that's Barry Windham. And you're like, I see nothing to indicate <laughs> to me that that is Barry Windham. <laughs> like, nothing the guy's at all. Got the, the guy's got the exact same clothes on his thing. He's got face paint on. His hair's exactly like him. And all we've seen is the back of him. Yeah. You're yeah. just telling us that that is Barry Windham. It's basically yeah. what you're telling. Or somebody. Yeah. It's not a stick. Okay, fine. You know, if we'd got a, what on earth just happened there? 
maybe Sting's got an injury, maybe he's hurt mm-hmm. his leg and he's fallen yeah. over. Maybe it's what back happened when, to him in whatever. the back there? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Poor JR. Sorry, JR, mm-hmm. but oh, I was just... JR, you're on, you're on the announcer Mount Rushmore, but, you know, just don't yeah. do that. <laughs> that, that. Well, I mean, Heenan said, but who's... Whose side is he on? So yeah, I mean, even even the best make <laughs> they, in, in advertisement. I'm not even sure he knew. <laughs> no, he no, just no, hated no. Hogan. Aye, and we can <laughs> forgive him for that. <laughs> this just, I, I, I genuinely, this left a bit of a a bitter taste in my mouth. Yeah, and then I think I'd said to you that, that Flair wins it on like a non tell. You know, he wins it back. No, mm-hmm. he can't win when it from so, Sid. No, he doesn't. So what happens here? Sting comes back out. Sting has like oh, that's right, I forgot that. Like he's been tied up in the back, or he's ripped his way out, or something like that. And um, Sid Sting gets back in the ring. The ref far too easily accepts that. Oh, (laughs) you're Sting. All right, okay, (laughs) let's. Let's kick this off again. And uh, yeah, Sting basically, I think he wins with a roll-up on Sid um, to, to retain. I don't know if Sid's maybe still celebrating his, his win that he thinks maybe. he's got. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great. I, like, no, there's something Bischoff's always said, and I know he's not in charge of creative here. We're still quite a way away from that. But he's always said that WCW didn't have people that knew how to finish matches. Like, they knew how to build a story, they knew how to start a story, they knew how to do your moveset in the ring and lay out a match, but he always said that if he could, if there was one person he could have stolen from WWF that he thinks might have got them to win, it would have been Pat Patterson. Pat Patterson. Because he knew how to finish matches. He knew how to do a good finish. And when I see things like this, I do look and think, yeah, they didn't have the person that quite knew how to execute a, the finish for this. It's a consistent thing with WCW, even uh-huh. when Bischoff's there. Yes. It's a consistent yep. thing, isn't it? That the execution on the night mm-hmm. is either mixed up, mm-hmm. confused, politicked in some way, yep. where, you know, somebody spoke, some one person said something to a ref, mm-hmm. somebody said another. It's, it's really unfortunate. You just, mm-hmm. that finish is just like, oh, WCW, yep. yeah, that's that's what that is. And such a shame after such a pleasantly surprising match. Ah, <sighs> yeah. And then Flair must go ahead, take it off um, Sting on an untelevised. I don't know if it's a house show or whatever, but yeah, a little a little disappointing. You have to wonder. Do you know where it goes from there? I don't. Nah. 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 Maybe build it to Starcade, I guess. Starcade's December, wasn't it? Yeah, it would be. Wonder what the Starcade card F- is. Flair Sting probably. Guest uh, ref. The Black Scorpion. Sting is champion again, come Starcade. Right. And he is defending against the Black Scorpion. Shut up. Yeah. Amazing. I'm going to watch that tonight. <laughs> Sting. <laughs> I've been playing with my thing <laughs> again. I wonder who's uh, under the mask. Do you think that'll be Flair? Yeah, at that event, yeah. Because I think oh, I've seen that. Amazing. Yeah. So so he, he definitely wrestled them before because the, the Black Scorpion was giving it all if you wrestle me and beat me, I'll unveil to you who I am. But he, that dastardly <laughs> villain didn't live up to his word. 
Who would have known if it was Ultimate Warrior? Because he'd been running about all over the place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Syringes (laughs) hanging at his backside. I assume they wouldn't have let him do a promo. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they had Ole Anderson do his voice. (laughs) Oh, Um, brilliant. Who was Sid? Have you you still got it up there? Who was Sid facing on that card? Right, just a second. I've moved away from it, but I've got it back now. Uh, Sid. Where is Sid? I don't see it. Oh, I do. Wait a minute. Sid V. Wait a minute. Oh, do you know what? Sid V. Stan Hansen. They maybe have they not split at this point? Was this the skyscrapers? Are in a match back together? Yeah, they seem to be. It's the skyscrapers against Big Cat. Oh, oh dear! <laughs> and the Motor the City Madman. Wow, I love the sound of that. Guess how long the match lasts? Oh, is it a squash? Yeah. For who? <laughs> oh, yeah, this the the skyscrapers. Um, yeah. So, 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 Sid left the Horsemen. Do you think? Yeah, he must have. He must have. Oh, Big Cat becomes Curtis Hughes, Mister Hughes. Miss, remember Mr. that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy. Yeah. That, uh, remember, perfect flicks his tail yes. that lands perfectly on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, that's Tremendous. Big Cat. Yeah, so I don't know how he's realigned with. Because it seems like he's elevated beyond that now. Um, being <laughs> in does. a bag. It does. Yeah. That's but, like when Billy Gunn got pushed and then suddenly the outlaws were back yeah, together after the Rocks made a mockery of him. Sh- shouldn't be a, a big surprise. Um, and there's some sort of tour. There's a tournament for for what is this for? There seems to be a tag team tournament on the go. Tremendous. Well, it's not a surprise given the amount of tag teams they seem to have on their roster. Well, it seems to be USA v Mexico. And Japan against the Soviet Union. Wow. I don't recall seeing any Japanese <laughs> or Soviet Union wrestlers so far. What, what's blowing my mind? It's, in this era, I suppose he would be. In this era, the, the USA v Mexico match, the Steiner brothers are representing USA. Fair mm. enough. Mexico, Rey Mysterio, and Conan. Amazing. Have you ever seen pictures of Conan when he was like younger and he had hair and all that? I don't think so. Should, yeah, is that he was a very handsome at? man. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, to me, those things just seem like generations apart with some uh, of the other stuff that's on the card. But That's amazing. Yeah. Well, there you go. Rey Mysterio, 1990. Amazing. Yeah. wonder what age he was then. 12. Maybe, maybe in, in... How long goes that? 33 years ago, maybe 33 years from now, we'll be thinking that Dominic Myst- Dirty Dominic Mysterio is still going strong. Possibly. Highly <laughs> unlikely. But you never know. Um, amazing. Well, do you know what? I've got a confession to make. I've never seen a Starcade in my life. Really? Wow. I think they're one of the shows I went and watched them all when I got the network. Um, That's class. I love that. They're supposed to, you know, obviously they were the biggest show, although Heyman, eh, not Heyman, Bischoff has sort of said that he tried to change it to Halloween Havoc being the biggest mm-hmm. show, but I think mm-hmm. historically Starcade definitely was. It's funny to think that they thought of Halloween Havoc as their big show when it's 
kind of like bit of a joker type. Mm-hmm. It feels like a bit of a, like a fun, silly sort yeah. of thing. And it works so well as a fun, silly thing. Aye. Interesting to see how it uh, changes over time. Mm-hmm. Once NWO gets involved, I'm sure it'll get a bit more serious. Yeah. Right word. Poorly booked. <laughs> yeah. It's not well booked now. It's fun, though. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm enjoying it a hell of a lot more than I, than I was 2005. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. Yeah. Are you still... Are you still trying to do the whole like not checking who's on the card? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah Just have but it as a pleasant surprise. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> same. See, I know that I know the main event, and I think you were hinting at it earlier. I assume you maybe have an inkling, um, but that's that's all I know. Okay. Yeah, I think what I think goes on to happen must happen pretty soon. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Which is. Oh, uh, Ron Simmons getting a yeah getting a, a solo run. Yep, yep. Do you, do you know who he's taking on? I don't. Okay. Yeah. Who would you guess? I try to remember who because I, I think Big see, Cat. In my mind, he won the title from Vader, but no, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure. I want to say he won the title in '92. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not sure. I couldn't tell you who I think he would be facing at the next one because okay. I don't think he won the title from Vader at a Halloween Havoc. We've not seen Vader yet. He's probably no. still ripping it up in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Oh well, we shall find out next time. Yes. So that'll, that'll be Halloween Havoc '92, a '91, '91, '91, and Wes Craven's People Under the Stairs. Nice. No pressure, but it's got big competition. What? Between, well, certainly Misery and, and this show. Nice wee doubleheader. This was, yeah, this was good. Like, I think I watched, because we, we basically have two weeks between recordings. I watched Misery quite quickly after we recorded the last to time. Misery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but then, the, you know, the, the, the pay-per-view was... I'm not going to say a pleasant surprise because I think I enjoyed quite a bit in 1990 as well. And I think for whatever reason, this older era in WCW is grabbing me a bit more than mm-hmm. than uh, some some other various eras of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think the risk for me is going to be as we get more modern, am I going to just start thinking it's rubbish? Mm. Yeah, can you imagine what I- Halloween Havoc 2000 looks like and who oh. might be on it and the, the, the version of the NWO that had Bret Hart and Jeff Jarrett and yeah, at Lash least and Hall. you know, because of the way we're doing this jumping a year at a time if it's terrible eh, it's one show, it's terrible it's a one-off, exactly yeah. here's a question for you, do you think you'll want to do the NXT Halloween Havocs after we've done these WCW ones? there's NXT Halloween Havoc yeah, I think they started them Maybe twenty twenty, maybe post pandemic, maybe twenty twenty one. So there's maybe like two or three. Okay, we could do. Maybe that would mean having to watch modern horror films as well. Uh, yeah, maybe we just where so they'll, they'll finish in what two thousand one or something two, like that. Two thousand. Uh, two thousand's the last one, right? Uh, I wonder what would be the big horror then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe we cut our losses. I, I was hoping it might have been 20 days later, but I think that's like 2002. 
Okay. Okay. I'm wondering when, so like, because things like, try to think when Scream was, was that like 96 or 97 or something like that? Mm. You know, that mm. kind of thing will start coming up. There were some quite good, but then I would refer to them as modern horrors and they're mm. 25 years ago. That's disgusting. Scream <laughs> does seem like a modern thing. Yeah. It is. It doesn't seem like it, it is. I think that's why I, I, I can't bring myself to watch like a Scream 6 or something like that. I would it'll just be have like to... 25 years after the original. I would just have to accept that, you know, middle-aged is in the name of the podcast. That's... It is. Yeah. And we're living this Stan Hansen outlaw lifestyle. We just need to get on with it, I think. As long as I never run into that guy. That's another guy I just, yeah, just steer well clear of. <laughs> That is the man that personifies the word havoc. Yep. Okay, so two weeks' time, we'll get into that, and that that, that should be good fun. Awesome. Um, until then, don't be a dirty birdie. Don't. What did she say? Like something about cockadoodin. Cockadoodin. I can't yeah. remember what she said. Uh, it, you messaged it to me. What was it? Exactly. Oh, I, when, I was saying when, something like. Cody Rhodes should have won the cockadoodin belt. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's um, certainly parallels between Annie Wilkes and your your Twitter wrestler wrestling fan. Definitely. You know? She would 100% be on Twitter right now. As a, yeah, 100%. That booking's all wrong! <laughs> I can't believe they've not pushed Ellie Knight yet! <laughs> What are they cock-a-doodin' doing? <laughs> Poor Triple H waking up in some weird... Oh, she pulls at a sledgehammer. That would be poetry. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Anyway, we shall go. We shall be back in two weeks. Take it easy. Cheers. Cheers, cheers.